Hi, it's Eric from Bar Harbor Cellars Winery, located in Bar Harbor, Maine. Bar Harbor Cellars is a family-owned and operated winery for almost two decades. And we have a very simple philosophy. When you want to make great wine, use great fruit. Our method is to source the fruit of our wines based on the quality, not fashion. We work with independent growers throughout Europe and North America who practice safe and sustainable viticultural methods, allowing us to make wines across a wide spectrum. We're able to offer simple fruit wines with some delicate sweet notes, all the way up to big, bold varietal reds and crisp and delicious whites. Whether it's apples and blueberries from our backyard here in the state of Maine, or the delicate Pinot Noir grapes of Northern Italy, we truly enjoy crafting these delicious, interesting natural wines for you to enjoy. So when you're in Bar Harbor, please visit us at Bar Harbor Cellars. And if you need to, visit our website. Let us see if we can ship our wine to you. BarHarborCellars.com That's BarHarborCellars.com Select your favorite wine from our wine vault and we'll see about shipping it to you. And now, let's ship you over to the Premier Sports team on the Stereo app, the Phase 1 Sports crew. And to you, our guests, and to the Phase 1 team, we raise a glass and say salute. Hey, Kay, what's happening? Kay. What's up, brother? What's up? I'm off all week, so, you know. Nice. <laughs> it's, 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 like the three, it's like the Three Stooges meets the Three Amigos. Yes, yes. Hey, guys, talking about this game tonight, the last time we saw these two teams was not horribly long ago in the NFC Championship game. Uh, you know, a lot has changed for both of them. The, the Rams have become Super Bowl champions and the, the Niners are back to Jimmy G after what happened to Trey Lance. I mean, and, you know, let's get right into the heart of it because everybody's going to be looking at this game tonight. The Niners are favored by two and a half at home. I think the over-under is about 42. So, I mean, score-wise, th- this should end up about the same way the NFC Championship game did. But you look at Jimmy G, who came in for Trey Lance. You know, I mean, this guy's had an incredibly interesting career with the San Francisco 49ers. But most recently, coming off a shoulder surgery after the NFC Championship game, and then the entire offseason not being given a playbook because they were so convinced they were going to jettison him off. Um, And then now, you you know, they they basically had to run back to him and, and bring him into the fold. But... This is a quarterback who completes 72% of his passes, roughly. He'd been to a Super Bowl. Uh, he's beaten Aaron Rodgers three times in, in, in their meeting matchup. Mentally, he's a little bit askew because the Niners were like kicking him to the curb and, and now they're telling him he's the most beautiful thing in Macy's window. Um, no real off season. And, and then we look at what the Rams are trying to do. They don't play any of their guys in the preseason for the most part at all. So the first few games, they're kind of getting everything ramped back up together. Tonight's game, the, the Niners' offensive tackle is, is out. Their two defensive tackles 
are, are dominant on their side. But again, on the offensive line for the Niners, both of their guards are questionable. And that doesn't bode well against that Niner front. I mean, against that Ram front, excuse me. I was thinking too far ahead. But the Niners have the number one defense in football. They have the number four defense in efficiency per play on defense in the NFL. And we all know that they're going to kind of run this ball as much as they can. And it seems like George Kittle's playing well. Brandon, what are you thinking about tonight's game? After all, we just kind of went after my little diatribe right there. I think this is going to be a horribly exciting game. What do you guys think? B, what are you thinking? I like the 49ers. Um, you know, I picked them to win this game. Uh, Kaysan picked the Rams. And I, I, I spoke to Kaysan earlier about this. You can go, this, you know, this game can go either way. Um, this is obviously a, a classic NFC West California rivalry. You know what I mean? I love it. It's one. It's honestly one of my favorite rivalries, with the exception of the NFC East. Um, this is one of my favorite rivalries to see these two teams go at it. Um, I was happy when the Rams got back to LA to see these two teams go at it. As far as this game is concerned, I like San Francisco mainly, guys, because they're home tonight. I think they split. Um, and I, I just think they split the regular season matchup now, which interesting, guys. And I pointed this out to Kate earlier. Kyle Shanahan has the winning record over McMahon. Uh, you know, uh, like obviously, you know, McVay got him back in the NFC Championship game, but that game kind of went either way as we saw. You know, uh, I, I, I definitely like San Francisco in this game. I just think schematically, uh, Kyle Shanahan is going to draw up a nice game plan enough to expose the weaknesses that's on the Rams defense. Um, I know the Rams defense is, uh, was, you know, pretty solid last week against Arizona, but I don't think we think too much of Arizona, to be quite honest, which I know I don't. Um, so with that being said, I think San Francisco puts together a nice game plan. They run the football, which is something we know San Francisco does extremely well. Uh, schematically, them, them being able to run the football. Now, Trent Williams went out last week on Sunday night against the Broncos. Uh, and I don't think he's going to be playing tonight with the injury that he suffered. He was limping off the field. I don't know his status for tonight's game or moving forward. But that is a major, major loss on the offensive line. Now, I trust Cal Shanahan to scheme some things up, as he always does in the run game. But it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. They do have a good offensive line with the exception of him. I mean, with, not with the exception. They do have a good offensive line, even with Trent Williams being out. But with Trent Williams still being there at the left tackle spot, it helps tremendously run blocking and pass blocking. He's... With, Arguably a top three, not arguably, I would say he's a top three left tackle in the game. But they have, they got weapons, you know what I mean? Um, we know what they do with Debo Samuel. He's had great success against the Rams. Brandon Yayuk, um, Greg, uh, George Kittle, they got guys that can, you know what I mean, catch the ball and make plays in the open area. And San Francisco plays very well at home. They're going to wake up for this game against the Rams as they always do. It's a division robbery. But I expect the same way with the Rams. I expect them to wake up. I think they know. Listen, we haven't had, we, we got the 49ers when it mattered in the NFC Championship game, but that's last year. And overall, I think the Rams know, McVay knows, we have not had success against this team. Uh, we have to, we have to get, you know, we have to, you know what I mean, start off on the right note. You know, obviously, like I said, they played twice. The Rams do get them at home. Uh, the next meeting, but this, you know what I mean? It, it, this is going to be a tough matchup. I'm interested, guys, to see how the, you know, Bay Area is always cold. Uh, it's not a warm place at all. You know what I mean? So I'm real curious to see what happens tonight. It's, I think, going to be one of the more entertaining Monday night games. I think it's going to be close, but I do have San Francisco edging it out.
Yeah, I mean, I agree with me, but I'm, I'm taking the Rams. Like B said, I'm taking the Rams in this game. Um, Biggie said it perfectly. That offensive line, trying to stop Aaron Donald with his, with, with your best uh, tackle, Trent Williams being gone, is going to be a problem here in this game. My concerns with the Rams is that running game, because right now they're only averaging 3.4 yards per carry, which is bad. Um, they got Henderson and they got Cam Akers. Those are two guys that need to get going. Another concern of mine for the Rams, which I think I'll address today, is getting Allen Robinson the ball. We all know Cooper Cup is the workhorse, triple crown winner uh, last year in the NFL. But Allen Robinson, you brought him in to, uh, to replace Robert Woods, who Robert Woods is also struggling out there in Tennessee. But you got to get Allen Robinson involved early and often. He's a big target receiver out of Penn State, possession receiver. You got to get him a lot of touches to get him involved. This is where you get the chemistry game. Like B said, this is a rivalry game, so this is going to be a, 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 a battle no matter what, where it's played, whether it's in L.A. or whether it's in San Francisco. But it's San Francisco tonight. It's going to be a battle. I just think the Rams, I mean, the Rams having uh, the better defensive line and um, the 49ers missing pieces on the offensive line is going to be a problem. So at the end of the day, it's going to be, you know, everybody knows it's a battle of the churches. And I think the Rams are going to win that battle on the, from the defensive line side. So I like the Rams. I will take this plus two. Me being the betting man on the panel, give me the plus two with the Rams. I like them tonight. I like that take because Allen Robinson has definitely been a disappointment up until this far into the season. I mean, we're four games in reality and in fantasy football, he just hasn't brought. Uh, what people were hoping he was going to bring from Chicago, which is his most recent team. And uh, you could argue basically the same kind of quarterback when Trey Lance was in there. Um, But if this matchup is going to open up for Allen Robinson, it's definitely going to be tonight's game. Exactly for why Kaysan said you have, you have Cooper cup. Who's just potentially a few more years be regarded as one of the best wide receivers to ever play in the game. And the running game, as as you guys both hit upon, is going to be really important tonight because that hopefully will open up some of the passing game. And we know that Cooper is going to get a lot of double coverage almost on every single play. So it's going to be vital to see what Allen Robinson can do for this team. The thing, guys, that I enjoy the most, I think, in this matchup, depending on how healthy he is, um, you know, we, we talked about in the start of the show about the ailments and just the whole off season for Jimmy G and, and what it involved and, and from a physical standpoint of coming back from that surgery, as well as from a mental aspect of, you know, the last two years, the Niners basically have told him that we have the guy that's going to lead this team. We, we all know the story and anybody who's an NFL fan knows, knows all the background noise to that. But if his shoulder is healthy, um, he, he gives them that veteran leadership and experience. He has enough mobility. Um, and listen, everybody is who they are. The one thing on Jimmy G that I personally would like to take, and I don't know if it's of any importance to you guys as far as the makeup of a quarterback, and it has so much to do, believe it or not, with camera angles, but I'd love to see a little bit more of Jimmy G talking to his receivers, talking to his offensive linemen, um, seeing that kind of communication. We've all heard that the locker room is, is, is generally all behind Jimmy and he has great rapport with these guys. But 
I just like to see a little bit more out of him in, in that regard. Everybody's different. He's not a Tom Brady when it comes to that personality type, but he brings that leadership and, and, and Brandon hit it with the weather up there. It's going to be very interesting. It could be kind of muggy, you know, cool, a lot of fog in that game. But guys, let me ask you this question about tonight's game. Um, Stafford is, is, is coming back in. He's, he's starting to hit a little bit of a peak tonight. Be- between these two quarterbacks, who do you think will have the most effective game? I'm not saying the stats. I'm just saying who do you think will play the most effectively tonight? It's a home game in the Niners point, and that's a huge favorite for them. Um, just the individual quarterback matchup why don't you break that down a little bit Brandon interesting because as you said Biggie um Jimmy G regardless of the experience he has in his system he didn't necessarily like you said they they asked him obviously he came into the game against Seattle week two uh you know and 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 had a I thought a good performance but then last week uh, he didn't have a good performance, but I think people have to factor in what happened last week. Not to dive too much in what happened in week three, but um, like you said, he didn't have a playbook all summer. We knew Trey Lance was going to be the starter. Uh, Jimmy G didn't even know if he was going to be in San Francisco or be traded. You had elbow surgery. Like It was just a lot going on with him mentally and physically, regardless of how long you've been in the league, regardless of how long you've been in that system or knowing the playbook. Last week was pretty rough for him, so I kind of gave Jimmy G a pass last week. Now, I'm not giving him a pass tonight because, you know what I mean, the elbow surgery, yes, granted, we had that in the offseason, but that was the offseason. We haven't... Jimmy G hasn't been on injury report. Nobody has said anything about his elbow the past couple of weeks. So he should be fine in that regard. As far as learning, the, he's had a week now to get back adjusted with the players, to, you know, get take the first team reps, you know, learn understanding the playbook again or whatever the case may be. Again, we're not talking like Jimmy G is some rookie or something like that. He's been in this, this system long enough now. But I kind of gave him a pass for last week. I'm going to give him the edge tonight in terms of having a more effective game. Um, because I just think that Stafford going up against that defense, guys, like the thing about the Rams, which is so interesting, is you know who they really want to throw the ball to, and teams still can't stop it, which is Cooper Cup. He's just, McVay does an outstanding job of scheming him in situations and places that it's hard for defenses to counteract with, even with whatever talent they have on defense. Um, because Allen Robinson, I just haven't heard his name like that. Uh, uh, what's the other guy they, that they have? Um, Van Jefferson or something like he went on IR. Odell is not back. This is really Cooper Cup, and I want to see more of Tyler Higby. I don't know Tyler Higby's stats so far this season, so maybe they haven't given him the ball. But this is going to be a game where San Francisco is going to have to find some type of way to limit the damage that Cup does. But I'm going to go with Jimmy G to answer the question directly having a more effective game than Stafford because I think that even though you have Donald and Jalen Ramsley and, and, and uh, Wagner, I think you can, there are weaknesses to that Rams defense that you can expose. And I think Buffalo showed that week one. The Rams made adjustments since then. But uh, there are weaknesses on that defense. And if there's anybody that knows how to attack those defenses, it's definitely... I mean, those weaknesses, it's definitely Kyle Shanahan knowing the system that the Rams want to run playing them twice a year. So I'm going to go with Jimmy G to have the more effective game over Stafford. He's just, he's not a better quarterback, but the more effective game this game. Give me Jimmy. 
So, Kay, before you go, Tyler Higby has 16, six, 16 receptions for Tyler Higby, 171 yards and no touchdowns. So he hasn't produced much so far, Brandon. So you're, you're, you're right with that thing. Kay, what are you thinking about this quarterback duel tonight? So everything Brandon just said, I'm going to say the complete opposite. I'm going to go with Stafford for the reasons that Brandon just said on the defensive side for the Rams. We're going against probably a top five corner on all set and done in Jalen Ramsey. A lot of people don't throw his direction. Aaron Donald is still there, and that's a man that you can't double team, triple team. <laughs> you can put your whole offensive line. If that man wants to get after your quarterback, he's going to get after your quarterback. And for those reasons, I got to go Matthew Stafford because Matthew Stafford has the most talented receivers. Allen Robinson, like I said, is there. We know what he did in Chicago. We know what he done in Jacksonville. We know what he did at Penn State. He's a guy, like, as soon as he gets going, it's going to be hard to hard to guard. And then you have a guy, Cooper Cup, like I said, who was the triple crown winner just a year ago. So as long as you have those two guys and you have Van Jefferson in the middle, in the slot, playing the slot, you just got to get that run game going. Once you get that run game going, then if you're the Rams, you become a, a conventional team like like. Like, like the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Like, one of the reasons why the Philadelphia Eagles are hard to beat is because you, they can run the ball and they can throw the ball. So if the Rams become that, they become the most elite team in the NFC. And like we said, they have the defense to prove it. It's more so the offense has to get going. So if there's anybody statistical tonight, uh, I'm going with my guy, Matthew Stafford. I love that you guys went opposite points on that. So looking at the Niners, Brandon make the to his point about Jimmy G playing a more effective role in tonight. I have to lean that way only for the standpoint of, I think the Niners are going to take the more effective plays. And then when the big one opens up, they'll, they'll, Jimmy G will, and I say try, because he will try. Um, Stafford's a better thrower of the football hands down, but I think they'll probably take less risks um and i don't really know if it's a risk to throw the ball to cooper cup at any point where he's at on the field i don't even know if it's a if it's a risk to throw him the ball when he's in the parking lot he still might score a touchdown from there um but the aspect another aspect of this game to me that's kind of interesting is this coaching matchup between these two guys they they know each other so well just being in the NFC Championship game, both coaches coaching in L.A., both coaches being that young, up-and-coming new breed of NFL coaches between the two. Um, if you guys had to pick a coach between these two coaches to coach a football game for you, who would it be and why? That's interesting because both of these coaches are great at what they do, uh, not just schematically, but just being leaders of their football teams. The thing about them, though, that can get them in trouble, as we've seen um, at times, especially on the biggest stages, they can get too cute at times with their play calling. So it's, it's an interesting question. Now, obviously, McVay has the edge in terms of overall accomplishments because he's won a Super Bowl just previously. Uh, Kyle Shanahan led his team to one, and they didn't get it done against Kansas City. Um, but Kyle Shanahan has... McVeigh's number in terms I just think when they play against each other Kyle Shanahan calls a better game uh, at least recently over the past several meetings than McVeigh okay this is a tough one to be honest with you because I'm still trying to figure out who I would take I like both of these guys Um, but if I had to choose one I would say give me oh my god this is tough because I'm I'm about to go to one but then I'm like I really want to go with that one. Um, 
Give me McVay. Give me McVay from the standpoint of I love what Kyle Shanahan does in the run game. But one thing that's interesting about McVay that's very interesting, and fellas, people are still trying to figure, trying to find the next McVay. He got hired in 2017. People are still trying to figure it out. The thing that's interesting about McVay, fellas, I'm not saying Kyle Shanahan doesn't do this, but the thing that's interesting about McVay is he can scheme up a run game but fellas, his passing game that he schemes up is interesting. I'm going to give you guys one example. And I'm not saying teams haven't done this. But it was one particular game back in 2018. To keep it real, real simple and short. They had Cooper Cup lined up against um, Eric Hendricks. Or I think it was Anthony Barr for the Vikings or something like that. Barr's not there no more. He's in Dallas. But it was a, just how he schematically puts his offensive players in positions to go up against your defensive plays. It's almost if the opposite of what Belichick does on the opposite. He does things that you're like, how did that defensive play even get matched up on Cup or something like that? Like, it's, it's kind of crazy to me. Like, I remember one time when Brandon Cooks was there, there was a situation where a linebacker was matched up on Cooks. Like, Cooks wasn't even in the... Like, he was in a slot, but it's like, still, it's just how McVay schemes things up, if you guys get what I'm trying to say. Is very, very interesting. Uh, Shanahan does a lot of that too. But the thing that makes Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan so interesting is his ability to scheme up things in a ground game. Not saying he doesn't call a great game schematically passing a football, but McVay, I've seen McVay do things that's just like, wow. Like, how did that happen? Do you know what I mean? And the fact, what's so interesting is the fact that he's been able to do these things. He was able to do this type of stuff with golf. Like he, he was the coach from golf, got to the Super Bowl in 2018. Now, people would say, well, what's the difference between golf and Jimmy G? I actually think golf, Jimmy G is a better quarterback than golf. That's just my personal opinion. I know what golf is doing in Detroit right now. They're putting up some great statistic numbers. But I would choose McVay just from the standpoint of he has the Super Bowl to go with. And I've just seen him do things in the past game and also scheming things up in a ground game. That's just the, his ability to get mismatches. It's, it's second to none. It's, 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 it's damn near close to Andy Reid. Yeah, so for me, I got to go Kyle Shanahan. Strictly because of the 2017 Atlanta Falcons and how they haven't been the same since he's left. Like, if you go back and look how that offense was ran, he made Matt Ryan cool. When you look back at it, as a pedestrian quarterback. Matt Ryan is a pedestrian guy. He's just a guy. He's nothing special. He's not elite. He's not going to win or lose your game. But he turned that man into the NFL MVP. So for that reason, I got to go Kyle Shanahan. Like I said, he's an offensive guy. Like Brandon said, he can scheme up some runs. And if I had to take him, I'd put him on the Giants or on any East Coast team where, you know, the weather is bad. Because if you can run the ball, you can pretty much do anything. Then it opens up the passing game because then you got to put A in the box. And then, you know, the rest you got to throw it out. So those are the reasons why I would take uh, Shanahan. And plus his dad, like my father and son, like, Anytime you have a dad that's been a, coach, a head coach in the NFL or a dad that has any profession, whether it's a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, it's always good because then you can go back and ask your old man some questions. So now you can pick pick different people's brains as far as the relationships your dad built and the relationships he's built. Not to take anything away from McVay, but McVay's an offensive genius as well. And what people tell you this, he had both of these guys in Washington. But um, McVay's really good as well. It's not Like Brandon said, it's a hard decision. Um, you can go with either or and it would be a correct decision. But me personally, I'm going to take Kyle uh, Shanahan. Guys, before we go into the pick segment, 
of this show and then we'll close out a little bit later with just some news and notes from yesterday's games and some questions um how effective now this is a, a weird question because he won a super bowl with the rams and and stafford's always thrown a great ball but Kason, for the point that you raised about the ability for shanahan to script up such an effective running game which we all know as fans uh it is so key to actually opening up the passing game as well do you think stafford with help with both teams being healthy obviously the niners or the rams do you think stafford could be even more effective with shanahan and the niners than he is on the rams team oh yeah i agree 100 percent because of the weapons on on for them running the ball when you have uh evil samuel who's a swiss army knife like that's why it's hard for those type of guys when contracts when contracts come up because he's not a wide receiver, he's not a running back. You can put this man in the slot, you can put him on the outside. He's just that talented. And then, like I said, if because Stafford is so precise as a passer, I know he gets a lot of nags because you know he had Calvin Johnson and people were like, well, you know, you could throw it up to Calvin Johnson all the time. But if you look at after Calvin Johnson left and he had to throw the ball to other receivers. Stafford is, could honestly be a top 10 quarterback in this league. I know a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people knock him for having Calvin Johnson. And, you know, when you have Calvin Johnson, your stats look good. But if you okay, he, he's, thing, okay, he's the top 10 quarterback for me right now. He is. No, no, no. I'm saying certain people, certain people say he's not top 10. I'm not going to name no names. Boy. They know who they are in the group chat. <laughs> but uh, when you give him a running game, like, like, I, like I said earlier, the running game opens up a lot. Like, if you know the basics of football, you know if you can run the ball, you pretty much can do everything as far as trick plays and passing the ball. So, like Biggie said, if you give him uh, Shanahan, oh, the sky's the limit. But like I said, McVay's a great coach, and McVay's going to find a way to do anything with anybody. Because look at Jared Goff. Not to take anything away from Jared Goff, because he's clearly balling right now in Detroit. That offense isn't a problem. It's more so with the defense. But... Nobody was working with, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Jeff Fisher? Jeff Fisher didn't know what to do with that man. So you can get McVay anybody as well. McVay will uh, turn, turn him into a, not an elite quarterback, but, you know, middle of the pack type of guy. Big, you want me to follow up on that, or you, have, you got another uh, question you want to ask? Got so guys, oh, let's get into the prediction. Guys, I'm sorry. Technical difficulties on my side before. Thank you for that, Kay. So, guys, before we get into the news and notes segment of yesterday's games, what do you got for scores and predictions tonight? I'm going to go San Francisco. Um, I honestly think this is going to be one of a very, very close game. I got San Francisco uh, 27, Rams 24. I think San Francisco wins this on a field goal. Or if they don't win it on a field goal, they score a touchdown to get ahead three. Uh, I think this will be a very, very uh, close and tested game. Pretty much like what we saw at the second meeting 
in the regular season when these two teams played at SoFi and also in the NFC Championship game at SoFi. Um, I know last year when they played in the regular season in San Francisco, the 49ers kind of won that game pretty comfortably in the first meeting. But uh, um, give, give, give me um, give me San Francisco 27-24. I like that. Kay, what are you thinking for tonight, our betting genius? Give me the Rams 24 let's go 16 24 16 that's what I like I like that I like that Big E's going with the Niners tonight 22 to 19 just to have an interesting score so guys as we close out that Monday night part let's get into little news and notes segments from yesterday's games kind of like a rapid fire opinion of what you guys thought Um, what did you guys think of that Brandon what did you think of that Ravens Bills game Sorry if Jeff Green's listening. He's probably happy and joy right now. Um, to keep it short, I, th- I thought it was a, it was a really entertaining game. Obviously, um, you know, unless you got Sunday NFL ticket, you was able to watch that. Um, Red Zone wasn't on for whatever reason, so I couldn't really get a chance to really watch that game like I wanted to, and I was so upset because I believe I was talking to I forgot who I was talking to about that game. I might have been Kay and Saeed. but I think it was those two. And I was basically telling Kay that I, I wish they would show that game on TV, you know what I mean? Because I didn't want to see whatever else they had on, but they, in, you know, the Philadelphia market, they only had the Eagles and Jacksonville game on. They had no game on on Fox at one. But as far as the game is concerned, I thought it was a, a great comeback by Buffalo to be down 17 points on the road, um, rainy conditions, which is something Buffalo is not, they, it's not like they're not accustomed to playing in bad weather conditions up there. It's even worse um, compared to Baltimore, but I thought it was a great comeback by Josh Allen. The offense, the defense buckled down in the second half. Guys, Lamar Jackson didn't even score a point in the second half. Uh, that's not the first time Buffalo actually did that. I remember they played in the uh, the playoffs back in 2020 in the divisional game, and Lamar Jackson didn't score a touchdown. So clearly, Buffalo knows what they're doing defensively, schematically against Lamar, which is something a lot of teams still can't figure out how to defend. So I thought it was a great comeback by McDermott. Leslie Fraser, they know what they're doing on the defensive end. Josh Allen was Josh Allen. He pulled off some heroics. My only concern with Buffalo guys moving forward is not Josh Allen, the receivers, or nor the defense. It's my main concern with them is the ability, to, the inability to run the football. They got away with one yesterday by winning a close game. But fellas, Buffalo is now one and one and seven. Uh, and I'm sorry, one and six in close game situations. So it just goes to show me that they they find a way, they struggle to run the football. And I just feel as though that's an issue. Uh, when you look at a team like the Chiefs, they find ways to run the football in certain situations. That's my only concern with Buffalo moving forward. That's still my pick to win it all. I'm not changing that unless I see something drastically change. But I thought it was a great comeback by Buffalo. Baltimore guys, they got to get their issues together. I don't know what's going on with the back end of their defense. They have some talented players back there. But for whatever reason, it's not both Baltimore offensively struggling. It's their defense that can't stop anybody. Uh, and offensively, they're having problems scoring in the second half and closing out games. So they're basically front running. You'll get off to a fast start in the first half, and then in the second half, you can't do anything. The defense is already bad enough because they can't stop anybody at the moment. What is the last time we seen we saw that we said that about a Ravens defense? I know this is not Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Suggs, but come on now. You know what I mean? Those guys have been retired or left Baltimore years ago. So they've had good defenses, but I don't know what's going on this year. And offensively, like I said, they can't close out games in the second half. First half, they play very well offensively. 
So Baltimore has some issues. They have Cincinnati next week, fellas. Sunday night for battle of first place in that division. Should be interesting. But I, I thought it was a great, great comeback by Buffalo. They needed to win this game. They didn't want to lose too straight after losing to Miami the week before. Now, quickly on that point, because I don't think you going to ask another question. Uh, so I was listening to Pro Football Talk this morning. And there's been four teams to blow 17-plus leads. Buffalo, was, Buffalo has half of those. So that's very, very, very disappointing. Granted, as I said, I'm going to be quick. Um, pay Lamar Jackson. You got to pay him because Lamar Jackson has clearly showed you that. Okay, you mean Baltimore has two of those? Yeah, Baltimore has two of those losses. Double-digit losses. Like, comeback. So I think Miami was one, and then Sunday was another one. Those are concerning. But everybody knows that's how Jim Harbaugh is. Jim Harbaugh is more so. You know, he's going to take chances because you, you take the points in that situation and hope your defense does the best. If you lose the game, nobody's going to question you. But when you decide to go for it and you don't get it, it never looks as good on that end. But Baltimore, I think Baltimore is going to be okay. Like Brandon said, the defense struggles. But offensively, Lamar is the truth, man. Like, you can't expect this man to do everything. Let me ask you guys this question. And let's stay on that Ravens team for a second before we talk about the Chiefs-Tampa Bay Bucks game last night. Now, this might be a little bit of the fan in me that's coming out more than the analyst, but as we are grateful as Giant fans of our victory yesterday over Chicago, um, it only cements that Chicago's on a pretty much of a downward trajectory for this franchise, and at least this team this season. And they're still struggling with this Roquan Smith situation. Um, I think he's definitely enough of an impact player where if the Ravens decided to make a move, um, they could they could do that. And I've already looked at their draft capital. They you know they're armed with picks in each of the first, second, and third rounds next year. So, um, do do you think it, it at all a po- realistic possibility that John Harbaugh and that front office kind of possibly investigates to see if they could sh- completely shore up that defense? I think Lamar would be actually extremely excited about that just from the standpoint of he bet on himself this year. So Roquan Smith would help them win some more football games. But from an analyst point of view, do you think that's just brain candy or do you think it's a remote possibility that the Ravens would make a move or you think they'll stand pat? I definitely think it's a possibility. Um, The Ravens are a winning franchise. They've been that way since they came into the lead in the 90s. Um, they know that they have some issues on the defensive end. Uh, they have to do something, Biggie. I mean, like, this this is bad. This is really getting bad uh, because this might be a trend. It doesn't get any easier next week against Cincinnati and those playmakers on offense. Uh, and the biggest, big, the biggest thing, Biggie and K, Baltimore doesn't seem like they have a pass rush. That's a problem, regardless of what bad offensive line you're going up against, as we know with Cincinnati. So, if you can't get to Burrow, how the back end is already struggling. I don't care how talented your secondary is, even if they're not struggling. If you don't have a pass rush, your, your back end can't hold up for that long. Now, adding Roquan Smith would definitely help because he boasts your defense in somehow, somewhere. He's one of the top linebackers in the game. So I could definitely see them making a move like that. But I could also see them maybe trying to get a pass rush as well. That might be what they need even more than a linebacker at this point. But adding Roquan Smith will be very, very interesting. I could definitely see him in the Ravens uniform. They've had a, a great list, as we know, of linebackers, not just Ray Lewis. 
Uh, so he, he would definitely fill that void. Still young in his prime. It, it would help Baltimore tremendously, I think. But sometimes, um, as a team, you, you realize that if you're not going to the Super Bowl, you don't really try to make a move to, like, mess up your, not mess up your roster, but to mess up draft capital. Because you can get younger players in the draft. Like, I'm a firm believer that you could get players in the draft. Like, if you know, the AFC is that. Like, when we, when we talk about the AFC, we talk about KC, we talk about Buffalo, LA at one point, we, somebody that we talked about, the Chargers. Uh, I don't think Buffalo's in that category of winning a Super Bowl. I think they're a really good team. They're a postseason team. Maybe even a wild card team. But are they a Super Bowl? You mean Baltimore, King? Yeah, Baltimore. I'm sorry. I don't know what I think. But Baltimore, Baltimore's not one of them teams that's going to win the Super Bowl this year. So I, I wouldn't make a move for uh, Smith. I think he's a very talented player. I think if I'm Smith, I'm looking to go to a contender that potentially win a Super Bowl. But Baltimore should probably stay paired with the roster. Whatever happens, happens. If they get to a Super Bowl, that's fine with me. But I don't think Baltimore. So you don't you don't try to waste draft capital trying to get a guy that's that's not going to put you over the hump to get to the Super Bowl. Guys, yesterday's game between the Eagles and the Jaguars, which I was looking forward to seeing how that game ended up. Obviously. There's such a great storyline between Doug Peterson bringing the Eagles their only Super Bowl ever and the statue that stands outside that stadium. Um, what surprised you more yesterday in that game? That the Eagles were able to put up 20 points in the second quarter and, and win a game that at least on the scoreboard was relatively close? Or were you more impressed with how effective the Jaguars played and the seemingly 180-degree turn with Trevor Lawrence this year with a real coach as opposed to last year with just a pretend coach? So, Brandon already know I'm going with this. It's fuck Philadelphia always. I hate the Eagles because, you know, we Giants fans and we live out in Philadelphia now. But, nah, to be honest, I was telling this to Brandon earlier in the day. I was never surprised. Like, even when Philadelphia got down 14 nothing. I was, I was like, Philadelphia's going to find a way to win this game. Like, I don't care if it... It was a point where even if it got to 21 nothing, I thought Philly was still going to win this game. Jacksonville's up and coming. Like, I told a lot of people in the preseason, I said, Jacksonville's going to be there. Raven Miley was just that bad of a head coach. But Philadelphia ain't nothing to see that, guys. Like, I know they in our division, but this team is loaded. Jalen Hurts is playing like an MVP candidate. He's my early vote for the award. Uh, Miles Sanders was a stud yesterday in the rain. The defense can make play. You have a guy in Darius Slayton, Darius Slate Jr. And then you have James Bradbury also on the other side. Like, as Giants fans, we know that. He's a, he was our number one. So they technically have two number one corners on that team. So the defense is elite. The defensive line is fine. The offensive line is playing with football right now. Jalen Hurts is a dual threat quarterback who can throw the ball. Brandon said, I don't know how the Eagles got A.J. Perry. They found a way to finesse AJ Brown. You have Devontae Smith on that on the other side. Cuz Watkins doesn't look like a real bad slot receiver for them. That team is loaded. Granted, like I said, it's gonna be more so for them. Can they beat the Buffaloes of the world? Can they beat Kansas City of the world? Right now, my answer is no. But Philadelphia, I think they could win the NFC, guys. Like right now, you know, only Tom Scottell's only been four games, but I think that team is legit and they can they can potentially come up with this. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Oh, everything K said, I agree. I thought when Jacksonville got up 14 nothing, I thought this might have been a game where, okay, it's like, all right, maybe Philly takes their first loss. The whole Doug Peterson coming back to Philly, uh, 
knowing the team, knowing the players. You know what I mean? Obviously, he was still there when some of those, a lot of those players that's still on the roster currently. Uh, maybe not some of the newest additions they added in the offseason, but he knows the team. And, you know, there's obviously some extra uh, motivation coming to Philadelphia, back to Philly, and, and maybe winning the game. You know what I mean? Obviously, as a former player, former coach, anything like that. But the Eagles are loaded, man. Uh, um, the one thing that I think they have that I'm trying to fit, that, well, the one thing that they have that maybe nobody has, and I mean nobody, um, they have something that's real interesting in terms of their ground game that I've been noticing really since last year. Philly led the lead in Russia last year, guys. Uh, their ability to scheme things up, running the football, the offensive line, their left tackle got hurt. I don't know how how, uh, how long he's going to be out or whatever the case, but I don't know if he came back against Jacksonville, but the offensive line is arguably or probably the best in the game. And that Miles Sanders can really run the football. I know a lot of people... I don't know what's the whole thing where people question uh, well, they Miles Sanders needs to get going. I'm like, that's because they don't give him enough carries to see him go off like they like you just saw him did yesterday. And then you add in the fact that you have a Jalen Hurts that can also kill you running the football. Guys, uh, this is a dangerous team. And because when you do those RPOs, now defenses, they can't just look at it and be like, oh, well, they're not going to, you know what I mean? They're not going to know. They might just run the football or they might just pass it. So now that puts your corners in tough situations because as a corner, you still have to look back in the backfield when they do that RPO, which is giving A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith those easy slant routes where it can be create yards after the catch or just easy first down. That is very, very difficult for a defensive defense. So clearly Nick Sirianni and the offensive coordinator, they know what the hell they're doing on the offensive end. Jalen Hurts looks like he's taking a leap that Philadelphia and Eagles fans everywhere and everybody wanted to see him take, or I ain't gonna say everybody wanted to, people wanted to know that he was gonna take. Um, he's taking that leap, the weapons are there. The offensive line is great. It's the same way when they won the Super Bowl in 2017. Uh, they can run the football defensively. They can get after the quarterback. And they can play coverage with the two corners. And we know about the defensive line with Cox, Brandon Graham, uh, Josh Sweat, uh, Jordan Davis, the rookie from Georgia. Like, th this team, I, I was really questioning the Eagles guys after 2020. The, 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 in this topic, I was questioning them after 2020 because I was kind of unsure where the organization was headed. Like, what the hell is Howie and Jeffrey Lloyd doing after the whole fiasco year that they had in 2020? But clearly, they knew what they were doing and they had a plan. And this plan looks to be working. They are the best team in the NFC and probably the best team in the NFL right now. Now, the question for them to keep it short, big, well, not to, to really finish off the topic, because I, I, this is an interesting topic that you brought up about the Eagles, because I don't think people really understand how good they really are. The question I have for them, can they beat the Bradys, the Rodgers, and the Staffords in the postseason? If they get home field advantage as they did in 2017 and you have to go through Philadelphia, I don't care who quarterback is there. That is such a tough place to play at. Now, can they beat those quarterbacks with the experience and those teams with the experience, uh, which is something the Eagles, some of them have, some of them don't, because we know some of those guys are still there from that Super Bowl roster. Um, so that's going to be the key for Philadelphia. And then obviously when they get to the Super Bowl, can they beat the Buffaloes or the Kansas Cities? But they're legit. Here's the best part about Brandon's point is that at this point in time, the Eagles don't know that they can't 
beat any of those teams, which in any competitive environment is almost just as good in certain points in time because you don't have any defeatist mentality. And Brandon should know by now, we only bring up interesting topics on Phase 1 Sports on Stereo and Spotify. But guys, I just happened to bring four quarters with me today to the show as we go to the jukebox and play some of our message and listen and thanks everybody for listening. Let's pick some songs out. We'll just do a rapid fire on any of these if we need to, guys. Uh, shout out to you guys. Um, I'm actually a Chicago fan. It's funny, I hopped in when I hopped in. Um, yeah, good win yesterday, brother. Good win. Um, it, it's crazy how many people are saying that we're on a downward trajectory and feel like the sky's falling in Chicago and there's 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 nothing there and we're just we're just horrible. Mind you, we're two and two. Ravens are two and two as well. But um, yeah. And Justin Fields hasn't even scratched the surface of um, his true potential at QB. I think, you know, the Roquan Smith situation, situation, okay, you said he would go to the Ravens. I would ask how they're going to pay him after Lamar. Like, how is that going to happen? Well, that's a great, that's a great and fair question. Well, well, Randall, no, that that is a good point. Shout out to Randall for listening to the Phase One Sports Crew, by the way. Um, the second part that he brought up that is interesting. I really don't have an answer for that right now because I don't know Baltimore salary cap situation. I don't know. Obviously, we know if they're going to pay Lamar, which is something I assume Baltimore would do. They're not going to let that man walk. That'll probably be the worst thing the franchise ever did. Um, and it's not hasn't been too many mistakes that the Ravens have done, but that is a good question. I don't know how they would pay Roquan, and that goes back to Kaysan's point. Like you can draft a linebacker, like you don't want to sit here and pay for this guy, and you don't know the salary cap situation with Lamar. Now to get to his first point about what Chicago said, Randall, y'all kind of the thing that people, are, the reason why, like I said, I don't know if you're from Chicago or just a lifelong Bears fan, but the thing with the people why people might say you guys are on a downward trend. Is because I didn't really get the whole coaching hire. I'm not saying I don't know how even to pronounce his name, Matt Eflurbus. I don't know how to pronounce oh, his name. Oh, Eberflus. Yeah, Eberflus. Yeah, he has one of those crazy last names. Um, he, but see, the thing with him is he's a defensive-minded coach, and I think nowadays what you're starting to see, and we've kind of had this this conversation before, guys, on the show about defensive coaches, offensive coaches, and how defensive coaches are not. Uh, they're not. It's not like that out of style. But the thing that I have. My question, Randall, for, for you guys was, I didn't get that high just from the standpoint, and now granted, this guy could probably lead y'all to the Super Bowl in a couple of years and give it time, so I don't, nobody knows anything. But what I'm saying to you is, Randall, the Bears organization, how it's been ran, and you should know this more, it's better than anybody being a Bears fan, it's kind of been very, very suspect. I don't understand what's going on over there. The ownership, uh, God bless Virginia Hollis. She's one of the very rare female owners in the league. She's had that team ever since her father's passed away. I mean, I'm sorry, I think it was her grandfather. I'm sorry, George Hollis passed away, the owner of the Bears. Um, the Bears are an organization that I root for, Randall, just because of the simple fact that it's, it's an historic franchise. It's one of the founding fathers of the NFL as far as the organization is concerned. But Justin Fields, I actually like Fields, but he has not played well. There's been games where he's just not played well. The offensive line is bad. So when you watch that game last yesterday, they didn't give him time most of the time, period. Um, and then the receivers outside of Mooney, who's okay, 
they don't really have anybody. So you don't really necessarily have any perimeter talent. Uh, Montgomery didn't play yesterday. He's been banged up kind of since he came into the league. When he's good, he, he, when he's when he's on the field, he plays extremely well running the football. And I believe he can catch the ball out the backfield. He's an all-around good back. But the problem is, can he stay on the field? So offensively, there's really nothing. Nobody fears the Bears offensively. So that's the issue. And then defensively, this is not the same defense from 2018 and 2019. There's still playmakers, Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson, Quinn is still going at it up there in age. But the defense is not overall the same. So this it, there's a reason why nobody is really, we say you guys on the downward trend, even though you're 2-2. Two two. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, who do those, well, the San Francisco one I thought was impressive. I did think that was an impressive week one sloppy conditions. I thought that was an impressive victory because you just beat a team that was in the NFC Championship game last year. So I thought that was impressive, regardless of how low scoring it was. I thought that was impressive. What was the other one that you guys had? Um, who was it? Who did the Bears play? Uh, it was was another it Minnesota? One that, no, it wasn't Minnesota. They actually play Minnesota coming up next week. They had another oh, one. Right. Houston, Houston, and then they see Randall Houston. Like, that's not a game to be bragging about. You know what I mean? I was a Texan. So I just think the Bears, we don't really know what direction they're heading towards. So it just I think looks that's, that's the point, B. That's the point exactly, B. And when I when I made that statement, it wasn't solely directed on the play on the field or any particular spot. For me, you said it best. It's just from the organization top to bottom. They just feel a little lost right now. And I think they need a little bit of a direction. And to your point, I know that the monsters of the midway and the bears are known for the notorious defense, um, but it's a different, it's a different offensive world right now in, exactly. in the NFL. And I think, and I'm solely looking at this from an analyst standpoint right now. I think the philosophy that Brian Dable put together with the giants in the sense of I will go get a head coach of the defense and I'll take care of the offense because that's my specialty and I'll oversee the entire team as a coach should. Um, and I think that's what you're going to start seeing a lot in, in football right now. Anyway, the trend's going in that direction. Let me grab another quarter out of the pocket and Kason's going to take this. I would also add this. Um, we're going to have the most cap space in the league next year. Uh, so Volkan walk, walks. I'm not. I'm not too sad about it. We have one of the easiest schedules in the league this year, um, and you know, as bleak as it looks, as bleak as the national media has painted it out to be in Chicago, I think that we have a real chance to um, not make the playoffs or anything crazy like that. But six to eight games, six to nine games is is definitely doable for us. And um, the development of Justin Fields is what is what is what's most important. Um, and yeah, he hasn't looked great, but he has the he has the stat same stat line, just a tad bit better than Josh's Allen. J- Josh Allen, Josh Allen's second year, uh, his first four games. So I mean, I'm not saying the kid's gonna be Josh Allen, but it seems very one. What do you think, Kay? <laughs> To, uh, impersonate my Stephen A. Smith. Hell no. Since day one. Hell no. Well, I'm saying that you're going to be. Shout out to you listening to the show. Because, you know, we, we love our supporters. A lot of people that listen to the show. Since day one's in Chicago,
I'm no hater of Chicago. I haven't been to Chicago yet. I plan to visit very, very soon. Great city, K. Just like New York City, I've been told. I'm gonna go with my with my friend, and we we, we gonna figure it out when we get to Chicago. But other than that, the Bulls suck. The Bears are the Bears are very lost, and I don't know. Like like I said, Ryan Poles, you know, this is first first off season, so I can't really kill the man too much. I, so like maybe he'll make the the right moves, but I don't know who's free agents coming out this year. Quarterbacks always want to leave. Chicago's not one of them cities that people want to play for. I wouldn't really blame them either because it's like the expectations of playing in Chicago, like B said, it's a, it's a historic franchise. It's like you have the Giants, the Bears, the Packers, the Cowboys. Those are your historic franchises. Um, but I say all that to say that I don't know. Like, is money going to really help Chicago? Like, can you go out and convince somebody to come play for Justin Fields? I'm not high on Justin Fields. I never was. I've been telling people that for maybe the last couple years. I don't like Ohio State quarterbacks. I've never have liked Ohio State quarterbacks. Granted, graduated from Penn State, so I pay a lot of attention to that uh, Big Ten and that Big Ten East. Don't really like quarterbacks. They come out of there, can name them all. None of them have really panned out. I feel like for Chicago to get where Chicago needs to go, Aaron Rodgers needs to be the division, number one. Kirk Cousins probably going to have to leave, too, because the Vikings with Kirk Cousins are really good. And then who else is in that division? Chicago and Detroit. I think you guys are better than Detroit because Detroit defensively struggles a lot. They can't close that game, but offensively, I would take Detroit over Chicago. So right now, I think the biggest thing for Chicago is they need to find a quarterback, and it starts next year because you guys coming out in this class is better than Justin Fields. And I don't even think Chicago wanted Justin Fields, to be honest. Like right now, looking at it, the GM, I've been hearing reports in Chicago that the GM doesn't really want him. He's more of the last experience quarterback. And it's the same thing with us in New York. Um, Dable and, and, and Shane uh, got DJ. They, they, That's not their guy, but if DJ plays well, you know, they could keep him and maybe get another guy to uh, challenge him. But right now, Chicago doesn't have their guy on the offensive side. And then the offensive weapons they have, I don't really know him. Like, I, I know Komet. Mooney, I don't know if Mooney still plays for them, so I don't really follow Chicago too much. They don't really got too much talent on the offensive side. I mean, like I said, you're a fan. I think you're a native Chicagoan. I don't know, man. I, I would go well, the Bulls or the White Sox or the Cubs. Well, no. <laughs> well, 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 a couple of things before Biggie. I know because he probably dropped a couple new messages of Biggie. Probably wants to switch to the next topic. But I want to ask him things or just kind of like. Uh, me and Randall, like me, Randall, me and Kay kind of see this a little differently. I see where you're coming from, Kay, and I see where Randall's coming from. My only thing I would say, just to counteract what what Kay said real quick, Chicago, and I don't think Kay meant this part, but Chicago is one of the best places to play at in terms of sports. I don't think that's not what Kay was saying. I think he was just talking about specifically the Bears, like who wants to yeah, come? The Bears right now. Yeah, who wants to come? Now. Right. I think that's what he was saying. Uh, Randall, no, Chicago. No, no, no. I mean basketball too. I mean basketball too. Oh, yeah, we get the pause, get the pause. I meant what I said, bro. Come on. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Are you trying to correct my what I'm trying to say? Well, 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 I, 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 well listen, I, 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 differ, I differ from uh, K. Uh, I differ from um, K. Randall just from the standpoint of I, I love Chicago, the city. Uh, it's the third largest city in the United States. It's the third largest market. It's, it's one of the greatest cities in the world. Um, you know, depending on who you ask, like I think, like the past two years or something like that, Chicago was rated as like the number one city or something like that, like in America, and that's not hard to believe. Um, it's beautiful over there. I know they they have their their tough areas or whatever the case may be, but that's any city. And downtown is 
oh my god you know what i mean it's, it's amazing but listen chicago is a great great sports market i think it's up there with philadelphia new york boston uh it's, it's, it's up there as far as it's in the same bracket conversation as the greatest sports town in america um the bears but as far as sticking with the Bears, Randall, I just think that people need to see some actually wins. I thought something was going on when y'all made the playoffs in 2018. I thought y'all was trending somewhat in the right direction, but things just kind of fell off from that point on with Matt Nagy, Mitch, and everything else. But um, I, I just we need to see uh, Randall w- w- what's going on moving forward. I think once we see like a clear direction, now I'm not gonna go now wins Randall because if that's the case, y'all gonna have a winning record. And I don't see a running record in Chicago. That means you guys will be nine and eight. I don't see that, but I do see maybe six, seven, eight wins. Like you said, you, you guys have an easy schedule. Um, I do think Detroit is kind of headed. I do think Detroit is headed in a better direction than y'all. But then again, I can't say that because we've said that a couple of times about the Lions organization, and they end up right back square one. So. I just think Aaron Rodgers playing in y'all division, that is something that you... It's kind of like doing Brady in the AFC East for all those years. Y'all have to find some type of way at some point to beat Aaron while he's there. Um, but he's not going to be there, obviously, too long with this age. I don't think y'all necessarily have to worry about Minnesota or Detroit. I really think it's just an Aaron Rodgers thing. The Bears have had... They, Minnesota and Detroit... Hold on, bro. You, hold on, hold on. You mean this year? Don't worry about Minnesota? Well, no, no. Not Toronto this year. No, no. Not this year. Oh. Moving forward. Moving forward. I'm just saying... Oh, I'm drug test you. Yeah, no, 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 The Vikings, no, the Bears are not, the Bears are not better than Minnesota or Green Bay. But I think, you know, coming in third place over Detroit, okay, that's saying something. But I just think nah, moving bro. forward, people need to see. No, because my, this is my thing with the Bears. They're not a good football team, and we don't know direction they're moving forward. They're going to probably finish maybe last or third in the division. But that's not saying anything. I just, again, I'm not saying they're a playoff contending team. But again, I'm like you, I don't know what direction this is headed towards. But I'm not going to sit here and say, Chicago is not one. It's a bunch of people that were signed up. The prize, like New York. Like, who wants to come to the Giants to the Knicks and you're not winning? I don't care if it's New York City. I don't want to come there. You know what I mean? If you're not winning, that's a cold weather city. It's not cold yeah, like and Chicago. That, and that's, and that's, yeah, and that's what I mean, too. Like, they're not winning. Because as I look at their schedule, they play Minnesota next week. I don't think they could beat Minnesota. They play Washington. Yeah, but bro, I ain't gonna lie to you. Like, I, the Vikings might sweep them, but I'm not. Minnesota, like, the past couple of weeks, like, I, they kind of been over. I'm kind of like with Saeed on that. Outside of that week one victory, Minnesota kind of been overhyped a little bit. I, the past three weeks, I've been watching them. Like, y'all been barely, y'all barely got by against Detroit. The Saints are not a good team. You barely got past them, and you got wiped out against Philly. So I, I don't think that this is a good team. I, the Vikings might make the playoffs as a wild card spot, but that ain't really saying much. That's just me. But they might still sweep them. But I, you know what I mean? They, in, I think that game is in Chicago. So it's a one o'clock game. So Kirk Cousins probably might win. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but I, I, I just I'm yeah. looking at this schedule. Like I don't see where I see this easy schedule. Like besides the Patriots, Matt he said that I didn't say easy schedule. Yeah. They got Dallas, Dolphins, the Lions is good. The Falcons just beat somebody last week. The Jets are trash. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> the Packers, the Eagles, the Bears. I don't know, man. I see they might five, split man. with Detroit. I can see them splitting with Detroit, though. I think I think offensively, Detroit is, Detroit is better than them. But Detroit got no defense. Detroit make any offense defense. look good. But offensively, what they doing out there... Man, I don't know if he can save his job, but uh, you can't argue with the offense. Maybe Deuce Daly will be the, the head coach moving forward, but I like what they're doing in Detroit, man. I, 
ain't no hater. I ain't no and hater they there. scored 40-something points last yesterday without uh, their top receiver, uh, St. Brown. Yeah, they play. Yeah. And they still scored 40-something. And the interesting thing, that's right, Kay. And the interesting thing about the Vikings is that unless he okays a trade, because Cousins has a no-trade clause in his contract, financially and and as far as the cap goes they're they're stuck with him for two more years so no I mean, Super Bowl. At, yeah i mean the, you know what the only problem with jefferson is this year is kirk cousins is his quarterback but listen that team has enough talent on it to, to make the playoffs but before i get to rando's other message i just want to say this about the bears they they have some interesting really good players at, at guard at O-line um, Mooney can be probably a, a good receiver, a number two if he had a quarterback um, they have depth at running back so they have some things that they could build around going forward but I think where the Bears in particularly are lost, and it's a beautiful city but it's, it, it's an interesting team in transition on the field, is that they just talked about the new site for the stadium, so you know, you have this team going into a new stadium probably within five years. If that's the case, is it going to still be owned by the original family that owns it? It's just, it's just a little bit of a transition for them right they, now. They need to sell that team. Seriously, I agree. Because they. I don't, I don't. The McCaskies do not know what they're doing. And I, I don't get me wrong. God bless her soul. She's still living. But I, and I, but I don't think she knows that she left her son in charge. Uh, football operations, but I don't know if he knows what the hell he's doing. And I mean that seriously. I don't think because I would have hired guys an offensive coach. Now I don't know who else was out there, but I would have hired an offensive coach. I don't know if hiring the guy that they had was the right direction in regards to Phil's development. Phil's can run and there's certain situations where he can throw the football. He had he has some some games where he has some good throws. But there's other time periods where he looks lost. Why would you hire a defensive minded coach from the Colts? to coach this guy when I don't understand I don't understand that 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 doesn't make any sense to me that's and what that's I'm talking about Eric Bieniemy yeah that would have been a yeah. good move and that's a fair and that's a fair question because the thing about the Bears is we're dealing with the same ownership just a different generation for this team it's it's not like you know they they've gotten sold at any point in time before this and it, it's a bear it's a Bears organizational mentality I mean you go back to when John Fox John Fox was the defensive coordinator of the Giants. <laughs> and he had he had a nice six, seven year run, I mean, with the Bears, but they tend to stay in that it seems like anyway, that in the modern era, they're holding on to some of their achievements in the past defensively. Can't keep doing that, yeah. No, you can't. Let's go to let's go to Rondo. Cut off there. It seems very one sided when people talk about Chicago. But uh the Giants do look promising. I like the Giants. Um, if I haven't pick somebody for this game tonight, I'm going with the Niners. I think Jimmy G bounce, bounces back. Um, but yeah, uh, it's glad that you guys got uh, for the for you, for you Biggie the Giants fan. It's glad that you guys got Sa- I'm glad you guys got Saquon back and he's in full form. Uh, I hope uh, you guys figure out what you guys want to do with Daniel Jones. But um, uh, yeah, you know, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, you know, so many people have a dire. Like I said, dire look or out, outlook on Chicago, and I'm just like, well, we're not, we're not the Lions <laughs> right now. It sucked to be a Lions fan, uh, you know. So it is what it is. Shouts out to you guys. Thanks, we're Rando. all Giants fans. It's not just Biggie. We're all Giants fans. We're all Rando. from that area. We're, me, we're, I'm from. We all from the day. I'm from New York. We all from the area. Case from New York. Biggie's from North Jersey. We're all from the area. 
Rando, thanks for listening, brother. And listen, we we wish your Bears well, just not on Sundays when they match up against our Giants or Mondays. And guys, as we get ready to close the show, of course, we're going to save the best for last. What do you guys think about that Giant? Giants starting the three and one? I know in show prep today, we've sent some stuff in the chat room about Dable getting that team in the locker room and talking to them and the players themselves. And I just think the greatest picture from yesterday's game is seeing DJ come back into the game after he was originally injured. And then God be with Tyrod Taylor. I hope he recovers quickly. I know we all do Um, to see him come back in the game. See Saquon continue to play effectively. Saquon's actually only 80 yards away after game four from having the same amount of yards as he has in the entire season last year. Um, DJ and Saquon just kind of fist bumping it in the end of that game yesterday. What do you feel about Big Blue at the end of this game yesterday? Happy, happy. Um, you know, we, we're three and one. Um, I just think as Giants fan, you know, it, it's been a long decade, you know, for us, you know, with the one, <laughs> with the one playoff appearance we had in 2016. Nobody remember, nobody talks about that. Um, I was imp- I was impressed. The fe- it's a lot of games. The games that we've won this year, we would have lost the past couple of seasons. So I'm impressed with Brian Dable. Um, I'm impressed with this team, the culture that they're building in New York. Um, Joe Sheen, I'm impressed with him. Um, I think, guys, you guys know where I stand with this team. I don't have any issues with them defensively. I know they suffered a lot of injuries yesterday. I expect for all of those guys, Leonard Williams, who got hurt week two, I expect for these guys to be back at some point. I know Landon Collins had a visit. He's only 28, I believe, with the team to see if he can come back because we need the safety help. Julian Love got hurt. We just had so much stuff going on injuries. It was one of the most bizarre, wacky games, but it, and it turned out being uh, satisfying. It, it ended up being satisfying at the end because we won, but it was one of the most bizarre, wacky games I've ever seen as a Giants fan. Uh, but I'm impressed. You know, you're 3-1, and one, so you control your own destiny at this point moving forward. We have a tough game across the pond against the Packers uh, Sunday, the early morning game, obviously. But I'm impressed. I like what I'm seeing from this team in regards to being able to fight out ugly wins because that's what, pretty much what you're going to see from the Giants the rest of the season. They're not going to blow nobody out. I'm sorry. So even if we, when we play the Texans, guys, that might be one of those ugly games. I'm sorry because that's just how we play. We don't play. Like, we're still figuring things out offensively. Andrew Thomas is one of the best left tackles in the game. But these other offensive linemen, I understand Evan Neal was a rookie, but these guys have to figure it out outside of Andrew Thomas. I'm really getting frustrated with watching this offensive line. The receivers is making it. it this might be even more frustrating because I don't understand what's going on with Kenny Galladay. He had one good game in Detroit where he had a thousand yards, and he's just disappeared ever since he's been in the Giants uniform. I gave him a pass last year because of everything that was going on with the Giants, but I don't understand what's going on with him this year. You complain about snaps, you drop passes when you come into the game, you're not on the same page with DJ. Like, what the hell is going on? And then Wondell Robinson and Kadarius Tony, these guys are hurt. I'm hoping they come back for this game against Green Bay because, damn it, you've been going for the past couple of weeks, both of you. You know what I mean? Uh, Sterling Shepard is out. I don't even know if his career... I'm starting to think his career is over with. That's what, three, two major injuries he suffered with his ACL? Like, this receiving corpse is really trash. Like, Sills, I understand Kay pointed this out earlier when we spoke on the phone personally about Sills. The field field was sloppy. It was bad weather conditions. 
but I'm not a fan of him. Richie James is a nice punt returner, but he should, if he's if he's been your receiver, he's one of your star receivers. That just goes to show you where you're at in terms of the passing game. People want to blame DJ. DJ got to go. I'm like, well, who is he throwing the football to? Who? It just it seems like they got the right play calls. And I like I like Matt Kafka, offensive coordinator that came from Kansas City, and Brian Dable as far as those two drawing up offense, the schematically from week to week. But when you don't have any receivers, how the hell can you draw up a nice offensive game plan? Receivers can't create separation. The two guys that I mentioned are out. I need them to come. We need them to come back. And the offensive line doesn't give DJ enough time with the exception of Andrew Thomas. I'm still trying to figure out how Saquon is doing what he's doing with the, with the offensive line. It's, it just goes to show you that he's superhuman. He's back to being what he once was when we came when he came into the league. Now, I don't, the Giants got an interesting decision to make with him after the end of the year with what he's doing right now because he's carrying this team offensively. And DJ has played solid. To be honest with you, when you look at his stats, his stats don't wow you, and I think that's what the national media wants to see. But look at the situation. He's not going to wow you with what's going on right now in regards to the receivers. It's not even a scheme thing no more. The schemes are fine. It's the receivers can't create separation. It's, it's frustrating to watch, to be honest with you. But at the same time, Pat, you're happy as a Giants fan at the end of the day because you're 3-1 and one instead of 1-3. and three. So you take it. But they have to figure this out. I need to see some type of progress with the offensive line and some type of chemistry and production from these receivers that we have on this roster moving forward. Uh, because I'm going to be honest with you guys, last point before I let K go. I don't know if they're going to contend for a wild card spot. They're not winning a division. Philadelphia is going to win a division. But you have to compete with Dallas for a wild card spot more than likely as far as the division is concerned. I'm not even talking about the other teams in the NFC that might come out as a wild card spot. So I don't know where the Giants are headed. But guys, they I think they won four games last year. They have three already. So I'm real, real curious to see with three more months left in the season, in the regular season, how many more wins can they get? Because if you get to seven to eight, guys, we got a we got an interesting problem on our hands. Because let's just say we win seven to eight games, you're not in good prime position to draft no quarterback unless you trade up. And he, you, you got to make sure he's. I'm not saying you got to be Mahomes, but you got to make sure one of these quarterbacks that you get, he's the face of the franchise. If DJ is not the answer that you want to move forward with. So I'm real curious to see how the Giants play this out because if you win seven or eight games, you have to trade up to get a quarterback. You're not going to be able to pick one in a position that you're going to be in the draft. Now I know the Giants still got picks. I don't know what, what like I don't know if they I don't know if they got a high pick already because of a trade. I don't know, but I just know for a fact that you got to be real interested, careful to see how this stuff plays out moving forward. But I'm happy three and one. I'll take it. Uh, Brandon made a lot of very good points, uh, a lot of very interesting points as well. The biggest one that he made is that we don't have no receivers. I think me and Biggie and Brandon talked about that at the beginning of the season. Uh, I expected the secondary to be awful. And the secondary isn't as bad as I thought it would be. The position group that is actually playing awful that I thought was going to be a strength for us is the receiver position. Uh, B said it perfectly. Kenny Galladay paying him a lot of money. Granted, it was the old regime that paid him that contract. Um, but he's not even on the field. And I think he's hurt now, so you can't really move him. Not a not the biggest fan of David Seals, but I don't hate him as much as Brandon hates him. I would have said that yesterday was a horrible, horrible day to play football as, as a receiver. Um, your, your funding is not good. Granted, it is turf out there in, in the middle, man. Um, but that's still no excuse. Sterling Shepard career is over. That's, that's just case the fact that his career is definitely over. 
Um, he, he wasn't a guy that was going to come back from two ACLs and, and, and be a great receiver after that. There's only a few guys in the league that can do that, and he's not one of them. So, unfortunately, his career is over. He was a great Giant, great Oklahoma Sooner, but his career is over. Like for the Giants to compete, they definitely need to go scour what's available as far as wide receivers um, all over the market. I, I don't know anybody that's available that can come off the top of my head. Like, I know the, the flashy name is Odell Beckham Jr., but if you're Odell, do you want to play for a team that's up and coming, or do you want to play for a contender? So that's more so his decision. If he wants to come back to New York, that's great. But is the Giants going to be in a position to potentially get to the wild card? Who knows? Because right now the offense looks really bad. They're winning a lot of close games and more so the running game. B said this perfectly. Saquon is a great problem to have, but do you pay a running back? I mean, you don't have a quarterback right now. You need a face of the franchise. This is going to be Saquon. Saquon is superhuman. Shout out to Penn State for producing him, but he's definitely superhuman as far as running through a horrible offensive line. Um, so it's it's a lot of problems to have. Like Brandon said, if you're a Sunday one team, you're not going to get a, a quarterback that you need. Even though I say you still draft a guy and have DJ compete, I, I still think you could either give him a one-year deal and have him compete against anybody that comes in. But the one thing I would say that I'm actually impressed with, I'm impressed with the coaching staff. I'm impressed with the, the GM because this this is a team that I projected to win three games. I know Brandon Dodd's coming for the Bears, but I'm also a realistic Giants fan as well. I predicted them to win no more than three to four games this year. And Brandon said they're already there. So it's a good problem to have because it means that even if they do make the postseason or win eight to nine games, they, they're going to make the right changes. Like, I have no doubt that they make the right changes to bring in the right pieces to, to play in the future next, uh, for next year. I think they do that. I think they're going to compete as much as they can this year to show the fan base that they're here. But I feel like next year is going to be the year where they take the next step, potential postseason, year two, whatever, year three to, to potentially, you know, kind of go around for the Super Bowl. But it's a good problem to have. They're three and one. New York is happy. The Jets are two and two. Or, yeah, I think they're two and two. It's a great thing to have in New York. Competitive football in New York, but I wouldn't say don't get used to it. Don't get used to it because either of these teams can go on a long losing streak, and the way the Giants are, I think it's well, the Jets are bad. So don't get me wrong, the Jets are bad, but the Giants can also go on a long losing streak as well because the way they win offensively is horrible. They, they, a lot of games are close defensive games, so don't be shocked if any of these teams go on a long losing streak, and don't be shocked if any of these teams go on a winning streak. I think more so the Giants and the Jets because the Giants play in the weaker NFC than the Jets do, but I'd rock out with the Giants. I think Brady said it perfectly for the Dolphins going to win the East. Washington's going to compete for a wild card. They also have a quarterback battle. Like everybody's saying they're going to get that. You Dallas mean Dallas? Back. Yeah, that Dallas. Um, Rush is playing well, but you know, you'll, you'll see. You'll see. Um, I'm happy for the Giants, but now I know also too as a realistic Giants fan. At any moment, this team can start losing games. So I'm happy for the for the first month of the season, but hey, you never know with this team. Hey, Big. Yeah, yeah, buddy. I want to say one interesting thing before you go ahead. If they win, if, I, I would be stunned if the Giants win one of these next two games. They have Green Bay and London, and then they come back to play Baltimore. We know that Baltimore has their own struggles, but let's be real, we're not a better team than them. I don't care what the record says. So if the Giants win one of these two games, as a Giants fan and as a New Yorker, at some point in time, you have to start looking at it like, all right, if we beat Green Bay, we're 4-1. Forget talking about draft capital. 
you're talking about playoffs because now you're 4-1. So now you got to start looking at it like, all right, maybe wait a minute. Or let's just say they lose to the Packers, but then you beat the Ravens. That's 4-2. So you, and then the schedule softens up after the next two games. So the, score, the schedule softens back up to what has been really since the start of the season. So they have two teams that they, two uh, playoff teams that we both expect to be in the playoffs. The Ravens, I think, will find their way in there. The Packers, to me, I still think is going to win that division. So with that being said, if you win one of these two games, I don't think they win it both. That, that, that's not going to happen. But if you win at least one of these two, when I expect for them to lose two straight and be three and three, if you win one, that's impressive with this roster. That just goes to show me the culture and the coaching staff is legit. Phenomenally impressive. But I just want to point out to everybody why they should be listening to Phase One Sports for their sports insight. Because in the black and white world of thinking of things, either they're right or they're wrong, Brandon makes an organic, phenomenal point about our team, the New York Giants, but just a phenomenal point about where football clubs can be. That If they win one of these next two games, that's phenomenal. But I'm worried, nor did I even anticipate, the brilliance that you slipped in with what happens if we finish eight and nine? What happens if we're sniffing the playoffs and we're middle of the road and we have to decide on Saquon and we have to decide on Daniel Jones? Does it fall back to the point that seems to be the common denominator that we're all talking about? If you don't have an absolute answer on both of those guys, but you have an absolute answer on this coaching staff is phenomenal. This front office is phenomenal. Do you bank on that if you have to choose to let either one or both of those players go? There's no easy out. Um, uh, if they go four, if they go, if they go four and two, we we absolutely you you got to play this season out. And maybe this is the sadist in me. I also would understand if if we did hit the skids for a little while and lost a few games, a couple in a row. At that point in time, I might put my giant helmet on and go, hey, the Bills are doing phenomenal, but they don't have a running game. You know, the Giants are, say, four and eight at this point in time in some way, shape or form. You guys know where I'm going with this. We have a relationship with the Buffalo organization. Perhaps we can move Saquon for a pick. Now, Here's why that's an interesting point in my mind, and you guys tell me what you think. If that's the case where the Giants start to slide a little bit and we look to make a move to acquire draft capital, guys, you know more about basketball than I do, but I think the greatest insight a friend of mine once said to me is this. Even on the worst team in the NBA, some player is going to put up 20 points a night, and that 20 points a night looks really great in the stat box. But when you bring that player somewhere else, they maybe aren't a good player. That's the problem with Kenny Galladay. He excelled in Detroit. He was paid 600000 a year when he was playing for Detroit, and he was putting up numbers in Detroit. The problem is we paid him like, you know, a guy that had won the sixth man of the year and arguably challenging for other awards in the NBA. Now, the draft capital part of potentially moving Saquon to the Bills if we go south, guys, the only chance we have 
of moving Kenny Galladay is sending him somewhere and a draft pick to a team that can absorb his cat hit, cap hit. So, and I'm not sure if I'm willing to do that because you you, you don't I, I don't want to give up no draft. I, now me and Kate talked about this. It depends on what type of draft pick. What what, what round are we doing? Fourth because, round. Fourth rounder. Uh, all right, I'm fine with that. I I, I can't yeah. argue with that because I mean it's not like you find any gems in the fourth round. You never know. But I mean you know yeah. I I'm fine with Man. that. Like you know, as soon as we play the Packers, I mean as soon as we're done playing the Packers, ship them off to Green Bay. <laughs> Cause I know, I know. I've been watching uh, uh, Giants Twitter, and everybody was, I like oh, that. To the division, da, 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 da. we play Green Bay, and I, I commented. I said, "Hey, listen, as soon as twelve oh one hits, y'all better be on." <laughs> Not even be on the phone. I got you something interesting for y'all too. Send them to Green Bay. Send them to Green Bay for a seven round pick. At this point, I don't even care. Just get them away from the roster. No effort. He shows no effort at all. When he's no on the field, something happens. No effort. I don't see any effort in his routes. It's like he doesn't care. I got the money. I'm in New York. I'm in the greatest city in the world. I don't care. All right. Well, if you don't care, leave. Because I don't care about you. You got your money. Leave. We don't want nobody here that's not going to show any effort. I mean, yeah, the, the production is not there. Okay, cool. You may not be happy with your stats and any receiver what. But I need to see some effort, bro. You're not showing no. any effort when you are on the field, any playing time. I'll tell you what the Giants should do. That guy out there in Baltimore, if they're not willing to to accept what, what he's bringing to the table or, or what he's doing, call him. Or I don't even know if you got to call him because I don't know if Lamar, I don't know his I don't know if he's a restricted free agent or I mean, no. I don't know what's going they on. can they can franchise ta- if they want they to. They can franchise tag him the next two years, so he's not going if anywhere. Draft, if I'm the Giants, I will offer whatever draft capital I have for that man. Get him to New York. He, he, he fits better in the Giants uniform anyway. He doesn't belong in Baltimore. I agree with you on that point. I agree with you on that point. And here's the problem with that, though. The capital, listen, like we all know this. And Kaysan's point about Green Bay is actually really good because Kenny Galladay might not be regarded as a great receiver. But if Green Bay needs a receiver for this year to get to the Super Bowl, he's more valuable to them than he is any other team. But I think what worries me about that, B, is that we'd have to give up so much capital that Lamar on the Giants couldn't be competitive for a couple of years till we could restock in in some way, shape, or form. Lamar, 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 I think gets this deal worked out, but you hit it, B. You hit it. Like, say we finished eight and nine, and okay, okay, we did good. This guy did kind of good. This guy improved a little bit. We have two number one picks next year. We have the draft capital to move down in the draft or move up, I should say, and get into the top 10 if we like any of the quarterbacks out there. That, your point's perfect, buddy. Imagine being in that kind of limbo of, is it Barkley, is it DJ? Can we rebuild around these two players? We finished eight and nine, or now that we have these two number one picks and the best quarterback class in the last few years is coming out right now, do we cut now, ways? Now, my thing is, I'm perfect. My only thing is this. If you're going to trade up to get one of those top quarterbacks, it needs to be somebody that you see yourself marrying for the next 10 to 15 years, and you think he can lead you to a Super Bowl or more. Do not give up those two picks for any of these quarterbacks that you don't think can be better than DJ. I don't care what the situation is. Do not give up the the draft capital because we see what's going on with San Francisco right now. They might have gave up all those picks. 
heaven and earth for Trey Lance, and we don't know what's going to happen with that situation yet. And that could set San Francisco back for years to come. So, I just, my thing is, now, granted, yeah, that's my thing. So, they got two draft picks, two first-round picks, as you said. Unless you believe one of those quarterbacks that's coming out of college, you can be married to for the next 10 to 15 years, and he can lead you to a Super Bowl, I'm cool with. If not, I can keep the picks. Great point. Great point. Everybody, thank you for joining Phase One Sports on the Sports on Stereo app. Also, as well, please subscribe to us on Spotify. Also, programming note, we have a full panel show tomorrow evening at 8 o'clock, just kind of encapsulating everything that happened in week four of the NFL, especially what happens in this evening's game, and previewing a little bit of week five before we get into our full week five prediction show. Um, Again, thank you for listening, and please subscribe to Stereo Phase 1 Sports as well as on the Spotify podcast for myself, Big E, Brandon, Kaysan, I'll let you guys say your goodbyes. Kay, you could close it up. Thanks for our great debate show. Thanks for all the listeners, especially as well. Yeah, pleasure. Uh, like you said, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, just click on any of our faces and it will take you to the link where you can um, listen to any shows that you missed in the past. Like, you know, we out here working. Uh, I don't know if you guys need to the people before you have What'd you say, Ken? I think you got anything to say to the people before we... Oh, no, 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 no,